Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from Open Store at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is a leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod. What's up, DTC pod? Today, we're joined by Ronak Trevetti, who's the co-founder and CEO of Pietra. So Ronak, why don't you kick us off? Tell us a little bit about uh, Pietra and the services that you guys are building out for the creator economy. Thanks for having me. Um, Pietra is a platform that allows creators to launch and scale their own consumer product lines uh, without having to hire a team or really figure out any of the hard operational stuff. So what, um, you know, one reason I was really excited to have you on is because first and foremost, like a couple of the creator led brands that we've had on the podcast already have used you guys. Um, I know there's a lot of overlap. You guys are backed by Founders Fund, who are Miami-based, we're Miami-based, so we, we hear great things about Pietra all the time, and obviously in, in the podcast, we're really focused in on not only consumer and commerce brands, but as well as like creators who are launching their own brands as well. So why don't you walk us through um, the traditional process? Like, What does it look like for someone, if you're a creator, you have an audience, and you're looking to now extend the reaches of your entrepreneurial uh, sort of spirit and get into other sort of stuff, what does the current landscape look like with Pietra and, and actually before that, what does it look like without Pietra? Yeah, great question. I think this is this is kind of the underpinning of our company. But when we were looking at creative individuals and entrepreneurship, um, now you can call them creators, influencers, social savvy entrepreneurs, whatever you want. Uh, we noticed kind of two ways that someone can can start a business. Uh, we found on one end there were these super mega creators um, that were big enough for operating partners to essentially come to them and say, hey, look, we're going to give you a bunch of money and we want to start a business for it, with you. And when they say with you, they literally meant we're going to take a, we're going to take most of the money um, and we're going to use you as a marketing figurehead, essentially. Um, and you're big enough that we can actually put a bunch of risk, risky capital behind because we're kind of... We, we are betting that we can build a business around your name and your likeness. And that was a very popular and still is a very popular model to, for the, you know, the top 0.1%, right? If, if you're big enough, someone's going to be able to back you with their cash, their team, and you as a creator at the top of the totem pole um, can kind of sit back and, and play that creative director role almost, right? Just go promote and get some money in the bank and, and so that was one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is this other uh, industry that was built out over the last, you know, 10 years or so, which is this made to order ecosystem where it wasn't the top mega celebs that were designing really cool product lines like George Clooney and, and his alcohol brand, right? Or The Rock or whatever. Um, it was infrastructure around, hey, look, you're a small creator. You want to launch some merch. Uh, you don't have to take a lot of risk on. So we're going to say, we're going to have, you know, 10 to 20 products that you can basically drag and drop a logo onto. And we'll print it on a commoditized, you know, t-shirt or mug or cell phone case. So what we saw prior to starting Pietra was we were missing this component uh, in the world that was like, I would like to launch my own candle brand, sneaker line, denim line, you know, chocolate line, whatever it can, my own athleisure line. And all of these things were not really available to the regular entrepreneur who wants to sit behind their desk and like figure out how to get it done. And if you were someone who went deep into that hole, you'll realize that it would take you tens of thousands of dollars in, a, in like a year or two to actually get a real meaningful brand off the ground. 
So Pietra comes onto the scene and, and what we do is, it's fairly simple, which is we provide three core things to anyone who wants to start a business, any creator of any size. Doesn't matter if you're a mega celeb or you have 10 followers. We have a platform where you can work with the world's best manufacturers in the world to create a custom product. It could be anything you can think of. You could basically make it through Pietra. And then instead of learning how to actually operate your business and ship your products around the world and import it, we actually remove all of that difficulty and say, look, set up your website using Pietra or connect to an existing website that you have. And we are going to receive your products from your manufacturer. We're going to put it into a fulfillment center. And when someone makes a sale on your website, on your Instagram account, on your YouTube account, on our website, whatever it may be, we're going to ship it to them anywhere they are in the world. So you as a business owner went from having to master the supply chain and understand all these pointless things like warehousing and labor and importing and exporting and whatever to, I have a website, I have a place to sell my product. I have access to the world's best factories. And now all I have to focus on is design and promotion. Everything else is taking care, taking care for you uh, through the platform of Pietra. I think that's so cool and so powerful in terms of what you're really enabling because it's not just enabling, like you were saying, it's not just about creators. Creators obviously have a probably a leg up because they've got a built-in audience. They've got, you know, something that they can tie their brand into and they're like halfway there in terms of being able to, to sell something so long as they create something the right way. But all these other parts that you had just mentioned about like figuring out the the supplier for something, managing the importing, managing the fulfillment, the warehousing, all of that is just stuff that really makes commerce businesses hard to scale, right? Hard to build, hard to scale from a capital perspective, from an operational perspective, from a team perspective. And those are all these things that like might seem, you know, trivial in size, but as they stack up, it makes it so whether you're an individual, a solopreneur or a creator, it makes entering business almost prohibitive, right? Because it's just too much to take on when you have other life and other career ambitions going on at the same time. Well, I, I mean, I think I, I think like the, the biggest value add to is like a content creator is going to grow the business by making great content because that's what they do. And if they're not an influencer yet, they can you know, always stay consistently making content. You can grab them while it's still early and they haven't blown up um, and they can just keep making content. I mean, could you imagine like a creator having to learn how to, you know, figure out storage for inventory, cash flow management, et cetera, and, and have to stop making content? Um, I, I, I love that about the business. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. There's, there's this realization I had when I was in San Francisco. So I worked with Uber before starting this company, you know, in the heyday of Uber back in like 2015. And it's so funny. Like I'm from Toronto. So I, I, you know, I moved to San Francisco. I was, I was new to the area. And I was thinking to myself, wow, if you're an entrepreneur in San Francisco at the time in 2015 and you had an idea, uh, the infrastructure around the Bay Area seven years ago was that very, very quickly, you can have everything you need to actually focus on the part of the company that matters. You can have uh, office space, you can get funding, you can have a data center that you set up on AWS and like an app template for you to start coding in, in Android or iOS or whatever. And like literally in a week, you can take an idea and start building that company. And then I would fly back home to Toronto for like Thanksgiving. And if my buddies who, who would be like, I'm launching my own watch brand, and he's like, I've been at it for two years. It's, you know, cost tens of thousands of dollars. And I'm still trying to look for a movement supplier in Switzerland. I'm like, dude, this, if there's like such a discrepancy from like creative people designing cool things and like the, the world that I was living in with tech. And if you really think about it, it's like, it's because the infrastructure around technology was built out. Like you didn't have to go spend six months building a data center because in a couple of clicks, Amazon just set up your data center for you, right? You don't have to go figure out a commercial lease because in a couple of clicks, WeWork gave you office space. And that discrepancy, I think, uh, just like in the tech sector, allowed all of these amazing developers to like make apps and start companies, right? Uber being one of them. Um, there needed to be some sort of huge push on the other side of the spectrum. 
And that's where we really saw an opportunity. I'm like, it shouldn't be that hard for someone who has a cool idea to start their own sneaker line. Like they shouldn't have to spend three years of their life trying to do this. Right. So, so, you know, now you guys have multiple services offerings for the creators that, that cover different elements of launching a brand, but taking a step back when you were thinking through this about your friend trying to launch a watch brand, like what, what was the first thing you try to prove out, um, to sort of see like, you know, where was the biggest bottleneck or something? How did you approach you know, whatever that was, that, that was the first thing that, that you wanted to prove out. Yeah. So it was, it's kind of an interesting story. I remember before we pivoted fully into this business, uh, we had a platform at a super small scale and it wasn't really about the creation of products and helping them get packaging and produce their products. It was more about helping them sell on this marketplace. And the, the first insight that we had was, I remember it was Christmas a couple years ago. I mean, we were super small. I remember thinking to myself, our top seller was someone who had an amazing Instagram, always on private jets, selling a lot of products, making this content, but was always behind on orders. And I remember thinking to myself on like December 23rd, I'm like, man, this person is like 50 orders behind. <laughs> like everyone that came to shop on Pietra is going to get so pissed at me. And all I wish I could do is be helping that person with their business so that we would then not have angry customers for Christmas. Right. And so that was the first insight of like, if we could help these people or is there demand on the other side? So there was never really this question of do people want to shop from people who make great content and visit their platform. Like that was kind of already proved out. It was actually proving out the other side, which is could we build a system that these jet setting creators who literally don't spend more than a month in one place at a time, love their vacations, make a ton of money on other things and side hustles. Could we actually build a system that is strong enough to, and flexible enough to support these types of businesses? And so that's the, the first thing we set out to do and why it took us uh, a little bit to, to actually build this platform is the first thing we wanted to test is like, can someone come in with an idea for like their, a blush cream as a beauty blogger? And can we get from that idea in their head to products that they're selling online? Right. And, and each step of the process, can we produce a custom product with the manufacturer such that it's, an awesome product that the creator really loves. Can we get the packaging made and can we put the product in the packaging? Then can we store it in a warehouse and can we do this with under a hundred units, you know, in, in, in our early days. And that was what we set out to, 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 to solve, which was like, can we get the world's best suppliers such that these creators can work with them? Then can we operate the infrastructure such that these creators can like do a product drop, sell a million dollars worth of product. And then, fuck off to Bermuda for two months to, to enjoy their victory, you know, and then come back and say, I actually want to make something completely different. So like, I'm now doing linen towels. Are you, can we do this? You know, like, could we build a system step-by-step step that cater to that type of customer? And, and it took us a, almost a year to, to actually build out all the components. And so we knew the demand was there. We knew that like, creators wanted to be entrepreneurs. That was not something that we really had a question about. You talk to any creator over the last three years, like they are business people already. So right, launching right. their own product lines, like it's a natural extension for them. It's just a different form of being an operator, right? Like their thing is distribution in content, um, mm -hmm. which is not the norm of what we're used to, to see from operators. Um, it's just a modern age kind of operator. So um, that being said, would you consider this is a three-way marketplace then where you have their customers, you have the creators, and then you have the suppliers? Or do you uh, not interact directly with the customers? Your, your, your people are the suppliers and the creators. Yeah, I would think of it as it's, it's definitely not a traditional three-sided marketplace. Um, it's, it, it is more like a platform that hold your breath here, has a marketplace inside of it as one of the components. Um, but we, we say platform because these creators use the tools to build their companies using Pietra. We are not, 
we facilitate as much as we can and we use things like a marketplace as a way for us to service the most number of creators with with the capital that we have right and so it's not like we set out to say let's build a three-sided marketplace it was how can we get a million creators talking to a million different factories in 50 different product categories at the same time every day without us. <laughs> and, and it turns out that the marketplace is the perfect construct for that type of uh, interaction. And so when I say platform, it's because our, our, when you create a custom product, you're actually using a marketplace. When you, it, when, when you use other parts of the product, you, you may not be, uh, you know, interacting with the marketplace in that way. You might be setting up your e-commerce website, um, or you might be connecting your website to the platform. And so it's more of a of a larger platform than a pure marketplace or a traditional marketplace. Right. Then something like Alibaba, for example, where you're just transacting with the with the supplier. Yeah, I I, I exactly I, I I used to say these things in the early days, which is like back in the day there used to be this thing of like remember when before the iPhone was invented, everyone like had a iPod touch and then a phone and then your wallet and then keys. And at like some point you were like and I had a mini disc player and an MP3 player. And at some point I'm like, yo, we have got to the point where like innovation has had a lot of these awesome point solutions, but someone needs to aggregate these things because the problem now is not that each individual one of these things is not providing value. It's actually cumbersome to like figure out how all these things interact and keep them all with me. I think that's how we got to where we are today. It's not that a young, smart entrepreneur couldn't figure out how to stitch all these things together. It's just that there's actually so many complex things to stitch together. And you take someone who's like, I'm going to a revolve party next week, right? They're not going to spend the time downloading an app from some app store and then figuring out how to import something from overseas and then connecting those two channels together so that the Alibaba suppliers get to the Illinois fulfillment center. Someone had to come in and be like, look, no one cares about like stitching these things together. That's the problem. They're not going to stitch it together. So bundle it all up make it easy to use, same functionality, maybe better, and present it to these customers so that they don't have to ever worry about these things for the next you know, 20, 50 years. Like, why does someone who's selling a candle line, candle, selling candles online and has like this really cool candle brand, why do they need to care about labor and importing and warehousing and staffing and, and sourcing? Like, they don't. They want to design candles. They want to show up in a warehouse and they want two-day shipping everywhere in the U.S. for a cheap price. That's it. <laughs> like everything else, take it off their plate. Let them go on their vacations. Let them be creative. Let them make content. Um, and that's where where we find so much value that we're providing. And so what I'm curious what you guys define as a creator. Um, so we mentioned, you know, the, the huge creators uh, that are pushing a lot of volume, but then we also mentioned the, the smaller creators that don't have access to this. So are you guys trying to serve, you know, any level of creator? Like, what do you define as a creator? Yeah, so this is a good question. I think in general, the term creator is very uh, ambiguous. And so we define it internally as someone who is either is or wants to build a business and a living online, right? And when you really think about someone who wants to build a business online or a living online, I should say, uh, they basically bucket themselves into two categories. You're either selling digital content or you're selling physical products, right? Physical things or digital things. Um, you might be selling content to brands or content directly to, to your customers or you're you know, creating merch. But broadly speaking, you're, you have two avenues for monetization. And an interesting thing that we don't do at this company uh, and we haven't done from day one is we have not built Pietra to cater to the really big creators. We have built Pietra after realizing the super big, like the really big creators, they have the, the means to get someone to give them a million dollars to start their own beauty brand. Like Selena Gomez doesn't need help starting her beauty brand. Trust me, there's people lining up to do that. Um, but that's not truly where the opportunity lies, right? The opportunity lies in what about the other 650 million creators just on Instagram that have over 10,000 followers? Think about that mind boggling stat, right? These people are trying to build an audience online or have an audience online, or it's big enough to support a small business. And they don't have access to the tools to essentially push their their craft forward and monetize in a different way. What's actually happening is if Pietro wasn't there, 
they find out that as each new influencer is minted, right, to borrow a phrase from Web3, the brand deals are getting low, smaller and smaller. The check sizes are getting smaller and smaller. Like, why would someone pay more and more um, when there's so many of them? And I, and I was talking to a creator who was launching her product line, and she was a model. She's like, we saw this in the modeling industry so, like years ago, which is at some point you were getting thousands of dollars a day to go on set and take photos. And that those days, you know, it's been five years since you get that. Like now the average is a tenth of that to go on set. Um, and it's because the supply is so plentiful, right? Um, so so when, when we think about creators internally, we think about the social savvy entrepreneurs that want to make a living online. And we think about it as not selling our products into the biggest, baddest people, right? Like, let's all just get the Kanye West of the world to launch some products using, you know, our tools. We look at it very democratically and say, how do we build a platform such that anyone in the world who has a dream to start a business can use our platform and start and start it? And you pay exactly for what you use. And it doesn't matter if you, you pay, if you want a warehouse that stores a million dollars worth of products, you'll pay for that. If you want to store 20 products, also you can pay for that. Yeah. And creators might oversee this, but that's another huge value that you provide with economies of scale, which is then because you have that volume, you can get special deals with suppliers that these creators by themselves just couldn't get. Exactly. And, and this happens everywhere and and this happens everywhere in the supply chain and and honestly why we see such a huge influx of existing brands existing creator brands coming to our platform what we find is our role in the ecosystem is to go to all the world's best suppliers and say look working with any individual person is hard but if our platform can bring you thousands of these people over a year will you lower your minimums so that instead of one person getting a hundred uh, 10 people can get 10, right? And that's how we even brought in, like Kim Kardashian launched a candle brand uh, or a candle line at one point, I think a couple of years ago. And we were able to get that same supplier to come onto our platform. And I think his minimum order now on Pietra, uh, because he gets so much business is like 200 units. So like, think about that. You got the world's biggest creator who literally just came out saying they're doing like 400 million plus in sales. And you get to use their same supplier same quality. You have to design your own product, of course, but now something that you can spend a thousand bucks and make like 200 units. And so we've done that for production. We've done that for shipping and logistics. Like you don't have to go and buy boxes and pack your stuff up and go to the UPS store and pay them now. Like we will bring you the economies of scale and say, look, we'll provide you two day shipping anywhere in the U S under a pound for $5 flat. What does this mean? Your clothing brand has US-wide Amazon-style efficiency. And we can then go to our brokers and say, look, we're going to negotiate these rates because we have the volume. And so never along the path would you be able to say something like, I can do this faster and cheaper. It just like wouldn't make sense, right? We have the economies of scale to say, look, we're not trying to screw you here. We're literally trying to negotiate on behalf of all the creators. And then you get to take your little piece of it. And that's why our rates are better than just about anything you can get in, in the world. Ronak, I think that's really, um, it's really amazing to see where you guys have been able to go now that you've been able to like build out this marketplace, get those economies of scale, onboard a bunch of creators and be able to provide that experience, which is going to be amazing, right? If I'm a creator or I'm just an entrepreneur and I want to come on and build my business through Pietra to know that all these um, you know, the sourcing, the fulfillment, all the hard parts about building the business are taken care of, right? Um, and I think the other thing that's like really important that you kind of pointed out was the the idea that some of the, the biggest, biggest creators, like you guys focus on the long tail of all creators as opposed to saying, let's worry about Selena and like a couple of these really big people. Because like you're saying, they have enough money to like hire a whole, like Feastables, right? Like when Mr. Beast launched Feastables, they have a whole team built out with like founders, operators, whatever. They're like running this like a proper business, right? He's the biggest creator in the world. But for every single other person, like they don't have access to like 50 people lining up being like the minute you're launching your brand, we're all there working for you. And that's where you guys are able to come in, which is, which is so, so awesome. So 
one of the questions that I have is now that we've reached this point where you've created this marketplace, where you have the suppliers, where you have all the people who are able to do this. I know from my experience, Ramon has done this as well, like building marketplaces and building these services is, is hard, right? It requires a lot of capital, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and there's a million different chicken and egg problems that you're solving at every moment of the journey. So what was, what was like the first iterations of this and what, what did your marketplace look like at the earliest of stages and how did you build it up from there? Yeah, I think <laughs> um, it was hard to build it from the ground up, which which I don't talk about this very frequently, but I should for, for the other founders that are listening, which is like, the reality is we got a little lucky. We ended up, we started knowing that we had to build this marketplace and and most valuable marketplaces start by really owning the supply side. And making sure that like, you know, if you take a look at like Uber, for example, like one driver is very, very valuable compared to one rider. And losing that driver, I should say, is like very, very hurtful to the ecosystem. And we built it up brick by brick. Like I like to say like with our bare hands. And then we got a little bit of luck from the pandemic. So what happened was we knew that we had to get the world's top thousand factories on the platform and we had to negotiate with them to bring the lowest minimums for the marketplace to even have a chance of working on this demand side. So what we did was we, we went and spin, we, we went and spin up all these teams around the world to go and find the region specific suppliers. For example, Mr. Beast chocolate supplier is on Pietra. You want to go compete with them directly, go find them on Pietra and go launch your health food, you know, chocolate spin-off brand, whatever. Don't copy them, but like do a hot chocolate or something. I don't know. Um, but we went and had the opportunity to say, look, we're going to invest in building up the supply side. At the same time we did that, the world shut down so you couldn't get to those countries. So we had people on the ground overseas, India, China, et cetera literally with a two-year head start to go go to every region that you can find the best suppliers and bring them onto the marketplace by the time the restrictions are lifted by the way like the restrictions aren't even lifted right now um we now have the top categories and some of the best suppliers both in north america and around the world and because of a little bit of that luck and our brute force hustle that we learned from kind of from our Uber days, we were able to bootstrap a marketplace that now you can come and NBA players can design sneakers with factories in LA, you know, like, like crazy sentences that I never thought I'd be saying. Um, mega celebrities, which I won't name their names because they're dropping new products, but all household names can come in and say, hey, like I was in this name, a big retail partner. I'm out of their deal now. I want to do my own stuff. And the marketplace was full enough and big enough to actually get that initial set of de like that demand. And so there was a real tipping point. It wasn't at 10 factories. It wasn't at 20 factories, but probably around 50, 100, 200 factories. We really started seeing like, holy cow, like we're seeing like Nike supplier show up on this platform, a Gucci supplier show up on this platform. Like this is kind of cool. And then we were able to like, like, we know from our Uber days and our team is a bunch of ex Uber people. We got that flywheel spinning where we could say like more suppliers brought more creators, more creators brought more suppliers and the flywheel was finally spinning. And now I think it's like something crazy. Like every day I open up the, the, our Slack channel and we're, and we're approving like uh, factories and profiles that have been submitted, like in the hundreds per day, um, which is pretty, pretty nuts to see. We don't approve a hundred per day. That'd be crazy. But people are like submitting their profiles for review. Um, and there's like tens of thousands of, of semi-customizable private label products that are listed. It's like kind of cool to see. So the, 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 the brute force day one stuff doesn't go away. Um, the cold start problem that, that Andrew writes about in his book, uh, that didn't go away. We just had two years where the world thought it was going to like explode. And so we were like heads down building and we kind of had a little bit of air cover. And so, yeah, I don't know how another company can come and compete with us, given that there is no way that like money can solve this problem. Like, good luck flying to Xi'an province and like Shenzhen and like finding factories to train. It's like they're back to business now. They're like back to being backed up. You know, it's very hard for them. That's uh, the biggest yeah. beauty of of the supply side of marketplaces. It's like you can't, you just can't pay for that. Yeah, I mean, in Uber's case, we learned the very hard way. You can. <laughs> right and so we knew starting this company um 
we knew that like if you don't if you go into an industry and build your company such that money can steal your supply base away then you're probably going to be in a very bad position long term for us what we found was like we were in the opposite position where we did all of the hard work and it was all hustle based and like person based where now we can have a self-service sign up platform that people can just come in and sign up themselves and we could just approve their profiles and and interview them etc um so yeah you can't you can't pay anyone right now to go sign up 500 factories in china you can't even fly there um so again it's there are companies where money will will like your supply base is so fungible and there's such a low cost of transferring like uber versus lyft versus get versus whatever right you can just literally turn on another app where for us it's like way 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 different it's on the other side of the spectrum um there's a huge switching cost for these suppliers to get retrained by another platform um it was hard enough for us to negotiate with them that they were already on these like other scaled platforms like alibaba etc so we got to be like the second one in there and they were open to that during a time of like uh no one was purchasing stuff during covid and now that we're back up it's like money and even hustle won't solve that even if you have a team of 20 people i'm gonna know that you have a team of 20 people and it's gonna take you a year and i'm gonna have a team of 30 people following you around (laughs) uh to do the same thing you're trying to do right um that was a joke, guys. I'm not really going to make, I'm not going to follow anyone around. We like competition. We welcome it. Uh, <laughs> no, that's a, that's a really good point in terms of like defensibility. Also, when you're building a marketplace, like in the, in the case of if you're like, you know, like you were saying, if you're a rider and you're picking between Uber, Lyft, and maybe another service, it doesn't really matter because it's the same service, but where you guys and your relationships with suppliers, they're looking for, for business, right? So you're driving them demand and you're driving them demand in a way where you're like, we're helping you take, instead of having to manage relationships with all these people, we're giving you a ton of business. So they're not going to be like turning you away for being like, oh, we don't like your business. We like someone else's business because you're giving them what they want, which is business, right? Um, so exactly. I think that's also, and, and then like you were saying in terms of like the defensibility in terms of building out a mar- the supply side of a marketplace, it would just take an extraordinary amount of time because all these factories and suppliers are individual operators in different countries for a different service to come in, even to do the same things you guys are doing, it's just going to be a total schlep and they could buy it, but they're not, even if they bought their growth, they're not buying you out, which is kind of, you know, different. Right. Right. And, and I think, yeah, totally. And like, I think the thing that people forget is, and maybe even some listeners is worth the kind of clarifying, which is the world's factories. There's a finite set of factories in the world making stuff. Right. And so a lot of people go like, oh, my God. So do you think like once you digitize the world's manufacturing that everyone's going to be creating the same stuff? And I say, obviously not. Right. Like how long would it take? I'll give you an example of like someone creating like a candle that looks like a cereal bowl. If I go here. Yeah, yeah, this is really cool. If someone was telling me that Magic Spoon should do this um, as one of their merch items or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, And. What I was saying was like, how long do you think it would take if I said, here is a candle supplier who can make anything, any fragrance, any shape. How long do you think it'll take you to like launch a line of popcorn scented candles? I don't know. You could probably line up a million people and like how many people are going to overlap with that? You can make anything in the world, right? Like it's not limiting the creativity, right? It's the factories make what they can make. You can make whatever textile you want. And so I think a lot of people think, oh my God, like you have Mr. Beast's chocolate supplier on the platform. In fact, those suppliers are going like, we are just chocolate producers. Like we want to work with people who want to launch unique brands and we're not going to copy these big brands that we're already working with. Like that's not a thing. They'll literally say like, sorry, that's like a patented custom formula that we made for them. But if you have another idea, then let's work with you on that idea. So we don't, I think it's a, it's a, a lot of people jump to the conclusion that everyone's just going to be making the same stuff. 50 of the same lipstick formulas. It's actually not true. What's going to happen is just like apps, you know, it's like, they're all not the same. Like some people copy some people, but like for the most part, you're working with someone and, and the most unique products are going to rise to the top and sell. And, you know, these suppliers are not incentivized to go copy, rip off Nike's designs. They'll be like, no, Nike is one of our accounts. Like we're not going to like, compromise copying Nike's designs for you, creator X. 
But if you want to change these designs and you have something else you want to do, we're happy to work with you. Ronak, one question that um, I've been thinking about, and I'm sure a lot of other entrepreneurs have as well, like with any service, right? There's, it seems like what you guys are doing is you're really knocking out all these, all these different problems that an entrepreneur is going to have when they're building a business. But with, with everything, there's like costs and things involved, right? So for all the convenience that you guys are providing, you guys are obviously making money as a business. I'd, I'm really interested if you could kind of talk a little bit about what the costs are to start your traditional business, which d involves all the things that we're talking about, right? Like, you know, the sourcing, the warehousing, hiring staff, dealing with the import taxes, like all this stuff versus like what your solution is. And I don't know if you've like thought through that just like in a really simplistic way, right? Like if I'm launching my business, like what are the costs I'm considering to launch my brand with Pietra versus what are the costs am I considering by launching my brand uh, the old fashioned way? Yeah, good question. I think it depends on where you are in, in the process. But I, I think that this is a solution that takes something that quite literally would cost you probably a hundred thousand plus if you think of a, like, people that you have to hire plus cost of goods for your minimum order like you're really in the order of a hundred thousand plus in investment if you want to launch a real brand that has a chance of of making noise right and and selling and, and growing and becoming an awesome brand um and we've taken something that's literally like in the hundreds of thousands of dollars mark let's say between 50 and a hundred thousand and you can go and use pietro you could pay 39 bucks a month to get access to all of this stuff and you could probably do a production run with custom packaging for like under 800 bucks. Think about that for a second. Like, yes, you'll have a low number of units, but you don't have any people. You're not paying people 50, 60, $70,000 a year to work on your operations team, right? You're not paying $2,000 a month to a factory to have an account that you can then use at some future date. Or you giving are, up half of your equity to a person who's even, an expert in exactly. supply chain. Exactly. Even worse. That's like the worst case, right? Where a creator has no control over their company. And so they're like, because you know how to set up a factory, I guess. And like you have some homies in Switzerland that knows how to make watches. Like you're taking 75% of my business. Um, we take that and say, you can start your business for 39 bucks a month and literally under a thousand bucks. And when I say under a thousand bucks, you could probably start a clothing line for under $300, right? You won't have a lot of units, but you could. <laughs> um, and so we really bring that down to, to, to really, really bare minimum to give every creator the opportunity to do so. But let's say it's like even a thousand, it's from a hundred thousand down to a thousand. Then you start looking into, you just pay for what you use, but you're only paying once you make a sale. So if you pay, for example, there's a $1 packaging fee when you make a sale, we literally go to the warehouse or we go to the shelf, we package it up in your custom packaging, let's say, and we ship it to your customer, we put in a poly mailer, we ship it out. Uh, you only pay that $1 on shipment when you make a sale, right? And so a lot of the costs are not even real costs when you think about it. They're just taken out of your profit. Um, but this is why I think that what we are building is truly just going to change the way businesses work, which is you're taking something and you're making 100x cheaper and 100x faster, right? And 100x easier for sure. But it's it's very, very similar to the virtual kitchen space, right? You take something that starting a restaurant is what, $200,000 or something of investment in two years and finding a head chef and a fit space. And now Travis Kalanick in LA is like, get a ghost kitchen for like, I don't know, hundreds of dollars a month in rent, list your product on Uber Eats. And all of a sudden you took something that's like, you can launch a Mr. Beast style restaurant for what, one one hundredth of the cost. Um, and it's, we're basically just doing the same thing, but for consumer products. Yeah. And the other thing that's like, I think that resonates with all entrepreneurs here is like one of the most important things is being able to quickly and cost efficiently test and validate ideas. Right. So if you're an entrepreneur, this is like the best thing ever um, because you can like spin up a brand without being like, oh, we just poured a million dollars into this thing and oops, it doesn't work. Right. It's like you can actually validate these consumer sort of direct to consumer plays really quickly. Is this something that looks good? Is this the product that we want? Is this something that consumers like? And if they do, then great. You have a great problem. Now you have a scaling problem. You don't have a product market fit problem to to address. So even thinking of you guys as a way to be able to evaluate that is, a, is an amazing tool for an entrepreneur. And even, even the way before like that you would validate, and some people have talked about it in this podcast, is like 
the to de-risk validating it's like oh just like make a fake brand or something don't have the product charge people and then worst case just refund them and then go and start the business but it's like as a creator you have a brand you can't just like right take money from people and then be like oh okay here's your money back like you know we'll we'll be back in a few months and then go and try and launch the business um like that's yes. your biggest asset as a creator it's your brand <laughs> Yeah, I think like, honestly, that's so funny. I think like a lot of people outside of this space just think like, just go do that. It's fine. Uh, another, another kind of interesting, I bet you all the DTC founders on this also feel this pain, which is like, just go ahead and do a pre-order. It's like, have you seen like, you're going to reduce your conversion Shopify. by 10x. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's not like pre-orders are, are destined to succeed. Like you'll have a 10x less conversion as soon as you say like ships in 12 weeks, right? I think that the the future is not like, oh, do this riskless thing because the consumers are actually like, I just don't want to wait eight weeks to figure out if you're going to ship me your collagen powder. Like, that's just like, I'm going to forget. That's not the, the world is working faster, right? What you want to do is you want to say, I want to bring a product to market in the absolute lowest cost, fastest way, give you the best experience that I know I can scale up and then gauge your interest on if you like this brand, Right. All these hacks that I think we've seen over the last seven, eight years, um, I just see them working less and less. Like, and, and there are a lot of talking points from VCs, from people who haven't started brands, who are like, ah, just like, go just draw a picture and put it on a website and see if people want it. And it's like, what you find is, is you actually, like I would say to that person, you actually don't realize how valuable the audience and the attention is that these creators have, have, have like built over time. Uh, you're you're dismissing it as something that you can like toy with these customers um, or these potential customers. And this is like not true. It's honestly the same with content. You just can't throw away co- pieces of content. It's like that doesn't exist anymore. Like, no, there is no such thing as like mailing it in. Like you got to do it properly, right? Same with your podcast. You can't just be like, ah, you have enough pot, you have enough episodes. So like, fuck it. Just like, fuck the audio, fuck the mics. It's fine. Just see if this works and you can do a pod on a plane with your iPhone. It's like, no, 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 dude, you don't get it. Like we've built something that's like the quality matters now in this day and age. So our job is to not, we, we, we take this very seriously. Like we are not trying to shortcut you into something that's going to be shitty. We're trying to give you the best quality thing for the lowest possible price at the fastest possible speed. It's not going to be zero cost and it's not going to be zero time. Right, you're not drop shipping something from some API that you've connected to your Shopify website, right? But but we want to we want to give your customers the we want to give you the ability to experiment with the best possible experience, and then go figure out if you want to scale that up. And so you know, and also, I mean, some that's assuming that they the creator gets their first like sample you know, or, or their first batch, like it it could be totally messed up because it's not a vetted supplier. Like they are on your platform. So if I were to play devil's advocate here, like, let's say, how is Pietra there for you? If like shit hits the fan with a supplier in one way or another, like, is it completely self-serve? I'm completely on my own. Um, if it was on me and like miscommunication or whatever, and like the packaging now isn't right. Yeah, so this is a this is a there's a couple ways that you we handle this, and it really comes down to the framework of our company. So, and or it comes down to the last point I made, which is like not skipping steps. So what we do is we are a platform, and we have a marketplace where you can produce products, and creators are are there to connect with suppliers and go through the process. And you'll see on the platform we like walk you through the process, like go and order samples before you do a production run, right? Don't go off and talk to someone and be like, I want you to make this t-shirt and the supplier goes, cool, I can make it and order 10,000 units, right? Like we really say like, go and get a sample because at the end of the day, we are here to facilitate a relationship between you and the supplier. We do have a relationship with the supplier to make sure that um, when th- when shit hits the fan, that the creator is protected and the supplier is protected by the way, right? So there's fraudulent payment on one side, uh, for example, um, 50% upfront and couldn't pay the rest, et cetera. And then there's like, you made the product wrong. And so what we do is we, we take a very human centric approach to solving these problems. We, we tell the creators, look, your job is to make sure that you are getting in writing through the platform, through your chats, um, 
you are working with your supplier to make a sample and then a final product. And you're having that conversation before you pay for the invoice. Like you are going to make a thousand of that thing that I've said yes to. Then we, then let's say the, the supplier goes rogue. And like, we've had this before. We agreed that the sample was like white wax and you've poured green wax into the things like what's going on here. And we'll jump in and mediate the situation. So we'll say, look, there's proof from the supplier, right? Uh, we go to the supplier and we say, look, the customers complained. We have proof that you said that you were going to ship this thing and make this thing. So now we're going to work with you for, for us. We're going to refund the customer and we're going to work with you to pay this back or refund the batch or do it again. And there's a bunch of different like uh, conflict resolution paths that we can take. But for the most part, we go and protect the customer if the customer has done their job of making sure that like things aren't, um, they've, they've done their, their, uh, their work as well. What we don't do is we don't say, like the creator goes like, make me a thousand candles. And, and then we look back and you say, you didn't even ask for the fragrance or the vessel or the wax type. And so, and so like, we don't know if you phone the supplier afterwards and like, there's nothing here for us to say that they made a mistake. Why did you pay for a $5,000 invoice on something that you had never seen before? Um, and so we'll take a very human centric approach, but we do protect the creator around and the supplier around things like fraud and blatant, um, blatant, like we like to say going rogue. Um, and yeah, that costs the company money, but it's one of the things that you pay us for, um, similar to lost packages, right? Like if you're using our shipping service and someone's like, Hey, I bought this, this thing. Um, we ultimately then go work with DHL and say like USPS, DHL, whatever. It's like, Hey, you lost this package. We're going to file a claim on behalf of this creator. We're going to try and get it back. We'll refund the creator. Um, and then work with DHL to recoup that cost. So we play a mediator role, but by default, this is a self-service platform and you're working with the suppliers um, and it's your job as a creator to kind of inbound us and say like, Hey, something happened. Um, we need your help to resolve it. Totally. It's, it's the same in our marketplace. I mean, you have the data, right? So it allows you, if you have to intermediate to, um, you know, to get in there and inside with whoever you think followed the proper instructions Makes, yeah. based on like your onboarding processes for, for both sides. Um, and you know, these experiences then improve the onboarding processes. The team learns, gets implemented into the product and just prevents that from happening in the future. But, um, Ronak, I know you guys did a fundraise recently. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that there was an inflection point around a hundred suppliers. So, just want to learn more about like what has been the stages of the business. What what did you guys like prove out in that seed stage? I know you did the Series A, so let's talk about that and like what where you guys are going and like what gets you excited about the future of Pietra. Yeah, I think well, a lot to unpack there. I think in terms of stages, um, you know, it was it we lived in a different world last year, but but I think the stages are not coming back to to reality. And so we used our seed stage to prove out this nugget of an idea, which was actually pretty hard to prove out, which is, do creators want to start their own businesses in general in the physical product space? Do suppliers want to power these businesses in some form? And can we build a platform that can cater to lots and lots of people at scale where it works as an automated system by itself? Right. And so that was the first stage of the company. Can we even convince ourselves, forget investors for a second, just convince ourselves that like these three parties we can make happy through technology. And so the getting to the series A was that, you know, you're, you're talking about single digit thousands of customers, right. That are happily using this product. You have some glimpse of like, wow, this could probably be tens of thousands of customers. Um, and, and so you're really raising at the series A, to say like, we're going to get to the next level. Um, and, you know, you're probably talking in the single digit millions of, of transaction volume if, or GMB if you're a marketplace. Um, if you're a SaaS business, it's probably a couple million dollars of ARR, et cetera. Uh, but you're really looking for that Series A like nugget. And so for us, that nugget was like, I remember we, we turned it on, so to speak. We had three categories before we fundraised. Um, and we were like, wow, like, we went from signing up hundreds of people in a week to thousands of people in a week. So like something meaningfully changed by 10 X, like, holy shit, there's something here. Now we're probably at that like daily, you know? Um, and so this after, so we got the series A to kind of, to, to say, look, we've been like toiling away in like this infrastructure world and we have this like squeaky platform. And, and, and we took the series A money and said, 
we're we're investing in making this we're proving out this concept that this could cater to a hundred million dollar business you know just the next step like literally from single digit millions can be 100x this and we're not going to say we are going to 100x it right away like we have some crazy growth numbers of probably like 60xing it or something like that um but what we were proving to ourselves was with the series a money um can we meaningfully power these businesses as they scale up and can these businesses reach millions of dollars um in sales and so prove to ourselves like holy crap this isn't like powering your mom's candle business with 50 units like we have people that are are selling their products in urban outfitters and anthropology and selling a million dollars of product in a month online like this is like we're we're proving out that our platform gets to that level um and so now as we look to the future I think what's very exciting to now have proven out those two phases and we think about growth in the future is we're really proving out now, uh, can we become the cheapest, fastest, easiest way to start or scale a consumer product business, right? And that is a really fun future to think about because if we become the fastest, most affordable, easiest way to do something, it becomes the default way to do that thing. And then in five years, just like pre-Uber, we forgot how we got around. It's like, oh yeah, buses, Um, right? You move into this world of, we see the future looking like, if you have a website that's selling an awesome product, why would you ever need to hire more than two people at your company, right? Like, are you building something that necessitates you learning these things? Um, Or are you really just hiring like a head of growth and like a marketing person and you're the content head, you know? and that's now what we are we are we are really building out with this with this world of like what does a hundred million dollars look like? What does a billion dollars look like? How do you support millions of merchants um, through these services? And how do you scale it up in a balanced way that doesn't crush the company and make money while doing it and all that fun stuff? So I think that the the advice that I would give other founders is and and something that I you know fell victim to is like I don't think looking back that you could skip any steps. I think you got to pro- you got to prove at the small scale it works and you got to just do the you got to go 0 to 1 million, 1 to 10, 10 to 100, you know, and choose any metric, GMV, revenue, whatever, and you'll realize that you can't really skip from 500,000 to 50 million. Like that that world doesn't exist. You want to as a founder, you want to like go and fundraise and try and like skip some steps, but in our world, like we are building infrastructure and we need these businesses to actually mature and get better and prove to ourselves that we could support them. Now, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have gone through that pain over two years and now we can go and do some of the fun growth, growth things. And I'm fairly confident that maybe by the end of this year, or even maybe by mid next year for most of our product categories, most of the products being created, we will be the most, the fastest, most affordable way for someone to start a business, a person, not just a creator, a person in the world. Um, and so that's really exciting for us. And that's how we look to the future. Um, and I know that's like a grandiose vision, but I think we're, we're closer to it than, than, than we think. No, I think, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think it's, it's one thing that really stands out is how thoughtful you are in terms of like building the business and not saying like, oh, we can just cheat through this stage and like, you know, do build things the wrong way. You got to build things the right way and you have to build Otherwise it's just going to be a bigger headache for you down the, down the line. Right. Especially when you're dealing with something so physical and all these other businesses are depending on you. If you don't build it the right way, it's going to just an exponential headache. Right. Right. And, and look, I will be the first one to admit that when we came back to the pre-sales and stuff, look, I remember sitting in a WeWork having someone who shall not be named. And I, I remember very vividly being like, they sent me a photo of what the candle will look like. Let's go ahead and start selling it. And the final product turned out not to look like the photo. And I remember being like, holy shit. Like, imagine this was someone who was actually prominent and their livelihood depended on like this being what they said. Like even that person at a small scale was like, this is devastating. Like, how do we make this right? I literally told people that they're going to build, they're going to buy this like really awesome looking thing. And you realize it was all like Photoshop tricks. And I'm like, wait, wait, we have these people's livelihoods in our hands. So we got to take this stuff like pretty seriously. And so that's where we learned. You can't skip the steps, these pre-orders, these photos. It's like, no, 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 go make the product that you're going to make a hundred of because like guessing it is going to ruin 
the customer experience. And that's all you have at the end of the day, right? You, these people that are like getting duped, like they're not going to buy from you again. Like, and then what did you do? You spent the last five years building an audience and all of your audience thinks that you're a fraud. Like that's brutal. Yeah. Um, so we learned, we learned the hard way. And especially like when you growth, like or, organic growth is going to come from creators who like hang out and run in circles with other creators. Oh, how'd you build your business? Oh, we built it on Pietra. This is how you do it. That sort of thing. So like really being authentic to that customer experience, I think is really important. Um, Renak, as we wrap up here, um, just a couple questions um, just like for fun. And then also I have one for D2C pod, but like one question is, I know you have a bunch of brands, so I don't mean for you to like shout out any in particular, but uh, what, what are, why don't you name one like really cool brand that you think is like awesome that's built on Pietra? Ooh, this is a tough one. You're asking me to pick between, uh, between our kids. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick, um, how do I do this in the, okay. You know what? I'm going to pick, uh, one of the, the brands that, uh, here, I'll pick a good one. I got one. I got one. I would say my favorite brand is a brand called Aaron Evy. It's a swimwear brand. And the reason it's my favorite brand is she started using Pietra and then was the first person that ended up working for the company after using Pietra. And so that one I can't get in trouble with. She was an early employee of Pietra after using it and was basically saw that her swimsuit brand that wasn't you know big by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but she saw and she was like, I want to build this and help other other people. And after that, I think like three or four people of this company already also have their own businesses through the platform. So I'm going to take the easy path and say, you know, employee number five or something like that. Um, Aaron Evy swimwear, check that out and definitely support her. Um, she's a swimwear brand. Um, Love that. And then when, when, a, when, when it's a customer as well, who's, who's used the product, you're going to just get even more insight. So I love that. Um, next question. Uh, this sounds like something that could be cool even for me and Ramon, right? Like we have the podcast. Um, we've always thought about like building different like products. And I, you know, we both have like venture back SaaS businesses. I don't really have like the time or bandwidth to like create my own, um, you know, consumer package business. And I'm not going to like, I don't want to just phone it in like you were saying on like Printify or something like just. Uh, so if we wanted to start something for D2C pod, what would the like, and just approach it as like a merchant signing up with you guys, right? Like what, what would that process be for us? Say we want to start making like really cool hats with you guys. What, what would that look like on Pietra? It would be pretty, pretty straightforward. I think you can sign up. You can literally in the first search box that you see, type in the word hats. It's going to give you all the private label hats you can customize really quickly, order samples for. And then it's going to give you a bunch of suppliers that with their past projects, you'll see that you can work with to make these custom hats. Uh, what's really cool about that is for uh, time-strapped creators, we actually have introduced a premium plan where if you want to, you get access to a sourcing specialist for 30 minutes. Um, you can book a time for 30 minutes who can basically get you from like, I have this idea. I don't have a lot of time. Help me with three brands, three suppliers. And she'll work with you on that call to very quickly say like, here are the top three suppliers. This is what you want. I'm a specialist in this space. Let's order you some samples. If you like it, here's how you order inventory. And you can basically leave that call being like, wow, I have everything I need. Once the samples arrive, I know exactly what to do. And so I would say you can launch a custom hack collection in under an hour's worth of work in a week. <laughs> um, and it could be something that you'll never be able to get from a made to order website. No now you're put no to the problem. test, Blaine. Now, now, now you yeah, have to I'm do it to, otherwise. <laughs> I'm about to book a call right now. <laughs> Let's get it hey, done. You got to sign up. You got to subscribe. Um, but what I would say is the, the, the one thing I want to add is our product is best for people who are not looking at, you know, a smash and grab type of solution. Um, but for example, if DTC pod wants to have a website that's called like DTC pod merch.com um, and it wants to feel more like cash apps clothing line, where it's this ongoing thing that is going to generate revenue for your pod and people can support it. Um, and you actually know that you want that to always exist. It's not like we're doing a hat drop of 50 hats. It's like, keep this core collection. There's a hat, a t-shirt, a crew neck, you know, a candle or whatever. Um, and that kind of runs in an automated way. That's where you can think about Pietra being super valuable. Um, because then you'll get ongoing value for something uh, after just doing the initial setup, right? So I wouldn't say start with like just a hat. Like, that's cool. Do like a hat, do a t-shirt, do a crew neck. Design them all with like one theme. 
And they'd be like, this is our core collection. It's on our, our website or on our Pietro shop. You could do it fairly easily from, from that. And then it's there forever. And when your inventory goes low, you'll get a notification that goes like, hey, your inventory is low. Like, do you want to re-up, hit this button and your suppliers will already be notified. So that's how you can like think about um, leveling up your merch, I like to say. Like you'll have a consumer brand around uh, the podcast at the end of it. Yeah, and that's what, that's what we want to do. I don't, I don't want it just to be a throwaway thing. If we're going to do it and we're going to have anyone wearing right. anything associated with us, I want to do it right. So um, I'm really pumped to be able to check that out uh, and give it a shot for ourselves. And then the last thing for our listeners, where can they find more about you personally? Like, are you on Twitter, LinkedIn? Like, where are you? And then where's Pietra? Yeah, so you could first find, you can find Pietra at um, pietrastudio.com. And then on Twitter, um, The Real Rose Show uh, on, on Twitter. And, and that's what happens when you create your Twitter profile in high school. Um, but the other thing I'll say is anyone that, uh, hits me up on Twitter and, and is listening to that podcast, um, I'll give them a little, uh, a little perk, um, when they're signing up for the platform so they can, we can help support their brand, uh, in some way. So if you find me on Twitter and you DM me and you're listening to this pod, the real row show, um, ping me and I'll give you a, a little, promo code or something to get started all right man well thank you so much for coming on we learned a ton excited to see you guys continue to grow support the next wave of creators entrepreneurs and um and yeah man can't wait to have you when you're down in miami for your next board board meeting let's run it back in person definitely definitely that will be a fun one Uh, all right later homies thanks for having me bye